Get ready, get ready! This is the Buffalo Down Draft House Podcast with Brad the Bruiser Icor and Alex Jones. And welcome back to the Buffalo Down Draft House Podcast. Brad the Bruiser Icorn and Alex Jones join you here as we get set for a Thursday night primetime matchup between the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets coming from MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Uh, as uh, New York's only team, or only team that plays in New York, will take on their fellow AFC East rival here. Before we get into that game too much, let's talk about a win over the Raiders. Uh, gosh, this team looked pretty good. Um, yeah, 5-2. and two. It, it feels almost surreal right now, but... Uh, you know, I'd say this early end, you know, this is a very gritty, hardworking football team. They've been a lot of fun to watch this year. Uh, yeah, they have. They've been, to be honest, it's the it's a weird thing to say, but it's the team that feels most like a team out of the Bills that I can ever remember, really. Um, you know, the closest one I can remember is that last team that pushed for the playoff drought, which was t- 2003 uh, had... Um, Takeo Spikes, um, London Fletcher, a few other guys, Sam Adams on defense, Drew Bledsoe. and they were, um, yeah, they were they were a good team, and so I could really I saw you know I see that sort of team mentality you saw in the '90s team. Um, like the big thing to me that stuck out was that Brandon Tate plan. I know it's been talked about to death, but that was a huge. Brandon Tate gets this first down, and the the sideline reacts like he just made an Odell Beckham one handed catch. To win the Super Bowl, you know everybody was rallying around him. They were cheering him. It was so much the yep. announcers thought there was on the side of the field, and that's this. This is what Coach McDermott's been preaching since day one: is be together as a team. We are a team. We are one unit, and I just, I, it's just so awesome to see that that they're rallied together so much. And you know that. I think that's been the mentality that we've heard through training camp, but based on the roster moves we saw happen, i.e. the Darby Watkins trade we've talked about so much, but, you know, the fact is, um, I don't think everyone was ready to buy into what he was preaching, like, oh yeah, you know, teammates telling their story, yeah, great, we'll win us football games, well, so far, it seems to, because, you know, these are guys that you can tell, they actually care about each other, they're working their tail off. For their brothers out there on the field I mean this is real this is a real team this is a real football family in the true sense I've seen uh, with the Buffalo Bills in a very 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 long time yeah and the, the big thing is too is it seems like they're having fun playing football it, it seems like they brought fun back into the equation like everybody just like big another thing that sort of flew under the radar but it, um, um, they played Thriller and Deion Dawkins started doing the thriller dance on the sideline in the middle of the game. Just started, broke out and did the thriller dance. And it's just because this team is having fun again. You know, it just looks like football's a game. They look like they're enjoying just playing the game of football. A lot of heart, a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, I hate throwing out all the cliches that we throw out, but... I mean, it's true with this team. They're not a cliched football team, but they play as a team. You know, they're they're fundamentally sound. They they have accountability for each other. And, you know, it's easy to say, you know, they're fun to watch when they're winning football games. 
But this is a team that wasn't supposed to win a lot of football games. According to what was on paper, this wasn't supposed to happen. No one took into account the other factors out there, not just what's on the roster, but playing team football. And I'll say it again, this is a fun football team to watch there. Uh, I was very, very, very nervous about this Oakland team coming in. That when Oakland marched down the field on that first drive, I, I was ready to call the game and then just watch how they pretty much dominated Oakland the rest of the game there. Fantastic. Excellent results. Uh, I completely agree. I was so worried about this team. I honestly, this looked like are going to be our toughest challenge, and yet the Bills just came in and dominated. Legitimately just came in and dominated from from uh, after that first drive at, on. They just they just said, nope, this is our game. We're taking it over. And they played that way. Yeah, Carr had ended up with like 300 plus throwing yards, but only one TD, and his best targets were non-existent through most of that game Crabtree and uh and Amari Cooper I mean Cooper only went for like what 26 yards I it was it was a proving ground of what this offense and defense can do together when they're in lockstep and they really put it to them I'd like to see a few more points off turnovers from the offense but if we can start getting you know touchdowns instead of just field goals that's going to be when the Bills really turn on the afterburners Yep, I, I'm going to tend to agree with you here. This is the BuffaloDown.com podcast. Reader work here at BuffaloDown.com. You can also like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, both myself and Alex Jones here at St. Alex Jones at Bill's Bruiser. Bill's taking on the Jets coming up. And one thing that I wanted to get to last podcast we didn't was potential trades. And I didn't see either of these two trades coming. We'll talk about the first one, which was last Friday. I got the alert on my phone that Marcel Darius had been traded, and I said, good, good riddance. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, he had completely worn out his welcome in Buffalo. I think he had worn it out last year uh, when he got suspended the first four games. Um, statistically, he wasn't putting forth a whole much. I know he missed, I think, the Carolina game due to the injury, but statistically, you know, there wasn't a whole lot on the stat column. I think four tackles and one sack. So, I, I, no tears shed. I'm glad they got something out of it. Was able to cut ties with the ridiculous contract that Doug Whaley and company gave Marcel Darius. Yeah, and the thing was, too, is that I, I think um, one of the big things that came out of that trade was, um, so you get off the contract, off the books for this year and next year, and I think this is Brandon Bean sort of had an idea, okay, we're going to pick up a wide receiver from the 2014 draft. He, I don't know if it was Jarvis Landry, if we thought it was um, uh, the guy we got from Carolina. Um, but in all honesty, you could tell that Darius Steele directed played in that because the dead cap is for this year and for next year. So the next two years, we have a huge cap number, but we also have our guys under contract for them. Yeah, we're going to have to re-sign Jordan Matthews, but we don't, we, we already have, um, basically, we'll, we'll ha- we won't have to re-sign him. Uh, we'll have to re-sign him, but we won't have to re-sign Calvin Benjamin. So, um, I think the big thing about that, about getting Darius off the books is then, once Darius's money goes from, there's no more, no more dead money in 2019 season, that's when Calvin Benjamin's going to be re- need to be re-signed. 
And that was one of the big things with getting rid of the Darius contract is looking ahead to the future and allocating that money into different areas where it'll then be freed up to. And uh, you you mentioned the trade they made yesterday, uh, sending a third and a seventh round pick to Carolina and picking up Kelvin Benjamin, like you said, another receiver from that 2012 draft class. And it was funny, I was listening to uh, WGR yes, or this morning, and they were talking about just how loaded and wide receivers that draft class was. And it truly was to think that Buffalo had to give up, you know, two first-round draft picks just to get Sammy Watkins when, you know, without trading up, they could have got a Mike Evans. They could have got, you know, although we didn't see it at the time, but no Dell Beckham, uh, they could have got, you know, a Jarvis and forth and so on. Uh, they get a first-round draft pick. Uh, from that draft and Kelvin Benjamin who comes in uh, a big guy a big target he comes in at six foot five so you gotta like that um, between him and Jordan Matthews having two big time receivers with a bit of height I think that helps here I don't think you know Kelvin Benjamin you know he's not no Odell Beckham but I think he's a very good receiver uh, he was one of the better receivers on Carolina and it's it was interesting to see you know how ecstatic Bills fans are for the addition of Kelvin Benjamin, while you have people in the, you know, in the Charlotte and the, in the Carolinas shaking their heads saying, what the heck? So, it, you know, it almost feels like, you know, the opposite of that, you know, tumultuous, you know, Sammy Watkins trade we went through in the summer there. Uh, for the Bills to be on the receiving end of this one, I think getting a very capable receiver. We'll see if he plays tomorrow night. I wouldn't expect him to. Uh, I read he is 50-50 at this point. But either way here, to, to be able to bring in a receiver like that, you know, at the very you know last minute of the trade deadline, I thought this was well played by Brandon Bean and company. And like you said, they probably had something like this in mind once they had freed up the cap space by uh, being able to go ahead and dump uh, Darius's contract on Moron and the, and the Jaguars. Um, and, yeah, you know, I think there was a... That was a good deal for us. Um, you know, we got a guy who's under a contract for next year. And the great thing about it is that it's only that $8 million number versus $13 million because he's not in inside the top 10 draft pick. Um, I, I think that the thing is, it's the jury's still out on who will be the best wide receiver from that 2014 class. Because if Sammy Watkins does what everyone in – in Buffalo, know, everyone in the league knows he can do. And if he gets on the same page with Jared Goff, he is going to tear it up out there. They're going to be they're going to be like the greatest show on turf. Um, but I, I, I think better than not, the Bills play Calvin Benjamin tomorrow because worst case scenario, you just use him in the red zone and just go, okay, go run a fade, run a slant, run an in. Like Tyrod could just tell him what to do on the plays. He'd be and like a so, Justin Hunter like last year, right? Exactly. Like that exact throw to Justin Hunter, just a person who's two and a three quarters inches taller and has a higher vertical than Justin Hunter. Um, he, he, he will be, I think, in the red zone. Once Clay is back, I, you're going to have – it's going to be a murderer's row of who to guard because you've got Jordan Matthews, who's an elite guy across the middle. Honestly. He is like Anquan Bolden across the middle. He'll catch. He sucks up all those across the middle and just just eats them up, in all honesty. And then you've got um, Zay Jones, who in his own is a pretty good, you know, he's coming into his own. He's finally getting used to what, um, basically what 
of the NFL velocity of a throw is and just getting used to it. And then you're going to have um, you're going to have Charles Clay, and then you're even going to have maybe Logan Thomas or you know the red zone is going to be su- and you have Shady McCoy too, who's a very good pass catcher. So in the red zone, I think we're going to see our product productivity go up exponentially because Kelvin Benjamin before they could just sort of double um, Family, please they just sort of just double um, whoever they wanted to on the goal line and I just think that the Bills red zone is going to be electric after this trade well at this time we're going to go ahead and take a break on the other side we'll come back and we'll talk about Thursday night football Bills Jets this is the buffalodown.com podcast Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Company Computer Guy. Mr. Company Computer Guy. You are the ruler of the RAM, the guru of the gigabyte, the monster of the memory. Show me the way. When we screw up the boot up, you are there. Without you, computers would megabyte. Megabyte. The countless hours we spend surfing the internet and accidentally stumbling upon porn sites would instead be spent working. Working for the man. So crack open a nice cold Bud Light, Mr. Company Computer Guy. For it's you who keeps our logons logging and our hard drives hard. Bud Light Beer, Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. This is the Buffalo Down Draft House Podcast with Brad the Bruiser Icor and Alex Jones. And we got him where we And welcome back to the Buffalo Down Draft House Podcast. Brad the Bruiser, Ike Corn, and Alex Jones as we get set for Thursday Night Football from the Meadowlands as the Bills take on the Jets in a uh, battle here as the Bills look to continue to go toe-to-toe with New England, which would put them in a direct tie for first place in the AFC East, a half game behind them because Buffalo already had their bye. As for the um, as for the Patriots, they're on bye this week. So, We'll have to see if we can pull it out um, because, you know, I, the Jets are another team in the NFL this year that I don't think are nearly as bad as they are. They're a very young team. They got rid of some of their more marquee players. You know, the Eric Deckers, the Brandon Marshalls, uh, Matt Forte is getting old. Um, you know, they brought in a, an old quarterback in uh, Josh McCown. But, uh, you know, this is still a pretty gritty Jets team. That I'm still a little worried it is at their home venue here, but this should be, I would hope, a winnable game here for the Bills. Uh, yeah, I think this is a winnable game. Um, I think this is one where the Bills need to show what they're made of. You know, this is a team that can belong because this is a classic Bills loss game. Like, historically, the Bills would lose this game. You get momentum rolling, you're feeling a little bit, and then all of a sudden, uh, yeah, no, we <laughs> we lose one, and then the season falls apart. It's a short week after a tough, you know, the Raiders were a physical team. Uh, in a cold game, it's going to be cold there tomorrow. 
Um, it, it honestly is a game where Buffalo just needs to get back to basics and just start trying to make the uh, the Jets make mistakes because they're a highly penalized team. McCown doesn't turn the ball over a lot, but you can't say that, you know, you, no one's ever pressed his receivers. And to be honest, I think that this Bills team can really force them into a lot of bad situations if they can start forcing some turnovers. Yes, and that, and, and that's a crucial side, and I, I point that out in my post tonight here, that for, for the Bills to, you know, for them to win football games the way they've won, they've put themselves in position that they're, they're, they're forcing turnovers there. Uh, we saw, you know, Tredavious White with the peanut punch in that game against Tampa Bay uh, where they brought in, uh, Peterson there from the Bears to teach him how to do that peanut punch. And not only did he punch the football out in that Tampa game, but he recovered it as well there, that they're putting themselves in possession to, you know, make those turnovers there. You know, um, Preston Brown with a tremendous tip. Uh, Force interception by Micah Hyde, who's been stellar this year. Five interceptions for him on the year. Um, the the Johnson popping the ball out uh, into the arms of Matt Milano, who took it to the house for a 40-yard fumble recovery for a touchdown. You know, these aren't just fluky turnovers. They're putting themselves in position to force these kind of turnovers, and this is a fundamental part of why Buffalo is winning football games this year. Yeah, um... I think, Fred, too, one thing I love about this team is, um, sorry, this is sort of a non sequitur. I've just been thinking about this, um, how it seems like for the first time in the drought, our coaching staff and front office and team all are on the same sort of message. You know, you had when Marone was there, Marone was very like, all right, we're going to be conservative. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Um, you know, very conservative. And then Whaley goes out and is aggressive. And and um, Rex Ryan sort of fit the Whaley thing, but Whaley was more analytical, whereas Rex was just sort of flying by the Siva's pants. Um, and you just look back at all the years, all the GMs, and it, it just, this is, as I said before, a non sequitur, but just something I was thinking about that um, I just, I honestly, Brad, just had been thinking about this, that the Bills are finally all in lockstep with each other. You know, the general manager, the coaching staff, the players, and even the fans are sort of, you know, addicted to the process. And I think that's the thing that's making this team so do that, that makes that makes why they're doing so well um, with this so far this season. Yeah, and I put it out in my post tonight, too, that, yes, uh, I'm finally ready to listen to Coach McDermott and just trust the process. Uh, because that's what they have in place here, and you pointed it out here that you know they have an organization that seems to be in sync and step here. You know, in comes Sean McDermott from the Carolina Panthers, and after they fire Doug Whaley after the draft, they bring in someone who has a very familiarity with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. So I think those two are definitely in sync. I like a lot of the players that they brought in from Carolina that already have a familiarity with Coach McDermott. Um, Mike Tolbert and uh, right now Kelvin Benjamin, uh, the notable two in this mix here. But, uh, you know, I, I love what he's put together that he's gotten this organization to buy into. That, yeah, I would say this is a very in sync team with the message and the direction that they want to go in. And I think over the time, the way they're building this machine, the way they've loaded up with draft picks, is they're going to look to bring in players and, you know, 
personnel that fit the culture and what they're building here. And I, I think that was another part. We didn't talk about this so much in the Marcel Darius trade. But I think, you know, although McDermott said that he was making improvements, he still didn't fit the mold of what they wanted in their system here in Buffalo. And I respectfully agree with the move to go ahead and cut ties, not only for the cap space and everything else that equated from trading Marcel Darius, but by being able to jettison, I think, uh, a pretty talented player who didn't fit what they're trying to do in Buffalo. Another guy, another guy from um, Carolina who came over with McDermott, who isn't talked about but has made a huge impact, is their nickel corner Leonard Johnson. Uh, he was the one that forced the fumble on Sunday. He's been a really good nickel corner as well. He has been playing very, very well for this defense. And I, I don't think he's a player that gets a lot of love on this team, but he is one of another addition from Carolina. Um, that they've added and it's just really interesting to see how this team has sort of come together as a whole you know they're they've sort of rallied around both the mentality that people thought they were tanking and also that they're sort of like the island of misfit toys you know it's guys who've either been cast off from other teams And it looks like we just had a little bit of a connection issue here with Alex. We'll go ahead and try to get him back on the line here. This is the BuffaloDown.com podcast. Brad the Bruiser Icorn and Alex Jones here. Uh, we lost you out there for a minute here. Oh. Um, but back to what you were saying. Uh, yeah, so uh, which part did I cut out? Leonard Johnson or after that? Just after Leonard Johnson. Okay, so I, I think that this team has sort of rallied around the idea that they're sort of from the island of misfit toys. Um, that they are guys who've either been cast off or don't get recognized enough from people in the league and from, you know, just at, really at all. Kyle Williams has been one of the best interior defensive tackles in the NFL. Cordy Glenn is a top five offensive tackle in the league. A lot of Bills fans don't seem to think he is, but he really is a top five tackle in the league. Um, and even Richie Incognito, who over the past three years has been one of the best interior offensive linemen, doesn't get recognized enough for the work he puts in. Yep, I'm going to tend to agree. All right, so as for the Bills this week, they get set to take on the New York Jets at MetLife Stadium right now. Uh, Buffalo is... Uh, just based on uh, the predictor, I'm looking at ESPN right now. They have Buffalo on a 62% chance of winning here. Uh, coming into this game, like I said, uh, you know, it's a battle here. The Jets are in last place in the AFC East, but Miami is, I wouldn't say better than expected. They're probably about where we thought they would be. Um, and let me just say that I absolutely love them getting shut out 40 to nothing on Thursday Night Football last week. That was a thing of beauty for... Uh, someone I grew up hating the Miami Dolphins, and this dates back. You're way too young to remember, I'm sure. But back in the, the mid-90s in the Brandon Cox era, uh, yeah, absolutely hate the Dolphins. So that was a thing of beauty last week. Um, but then coming in this week, taking on the AFC East team, like I said, who's better than expected but still not there yet. I think uh, right now Todd Bowles excuse me, is fighting to keep his job. And, uh, you know, I, I think right now, the way his roster's been built, I think he's doing himself justice here. But, uh, you know, like I, you said earlier, this is a game that 
the the Bills of old would would lose here, and that's why I still have that icky feeling in the back of my throat going into this game, and I'm not going to feel better until the game is over and Buffalo comes out with a win. Uh, but you know, still just from what I've seen in the past, I'm nervous about this football game. Yeah, and they, they're they're a team that's fought hard. McCown has rallied that offense together. I just think that the Bills have too too many good players right now and are playing too well to really cause to really the things that McCown does well. The Bills defense easily defends, um, and the short passing game um, and a lot of those quick passes are yeah, we'll give you two yards. But I, a lot like that first game we played them. They weren't. They would. They'd get like three yards, two yards, three yards, and it'd be fourth and one at their own thirty, and they'd have to punt. And I, I think that the Bills' defense, I, if we can get both sides to show up, this game is going to be a cakewalk. But I agree with you, Brad. I just have that icky feeling that it's just going to be one of those games where the Bills sort of fall apart. You know, it's like we've been conditioned to feel that way. That's really how it feels. That. You know, through years that, you know, just trying to get out of this drought that we've seen it all and um, we've been conducted a certain way when certain situations present themselves and that's that's certainly how it feels going into this game. But, um, absolutely here. Uh, I will say, over the past couple weeks, Buffalo's looked very good on third down and just moving the football. Granted, two turnovers and only able to come up with, you know, three points each time, but it's still... You know, coming up with something rather than nothing uh, is definitely helping. And, uh, yeah, if they can sustain clock, move the football, and obviously get the ground game going with LaShawn McCoy, I think that that helps for their success this week. Yeah, and, I mean, that last week that was a rough one. In all honesty, they got kind of got – they get kind of screwed over by the refs there um on the, was i was thinking terrible. the jordan matthews call where they called him for pass interference and the guy just slipped yeah that was atrocious um ed hockley's crew has never been a flag i think it was said sunday uh by by, by the play-by-play guy ed hockley's crew has never met a flag that he didn't want to throw yes um in all honesty though it, it was one of those times where um they the Bills just and another one they got the turnover. Richie Incognito, they're driving the red zone. Incognito did not hold the guy. He had his arm pinned in, but it wasn't a hold. It's just because he saw the arm pinned in while blocking. It's and it's going to get called nine times out of ten, but it shouldn't be called because yeah. it's not actually a hold. There's no grabbing the jersey. His arms are just wider. Uh, but that's that's a whole another debate for a different day. Uh, but, you know, I think this, as long as the Bills stay disciplined, the Jets will give you opportunities. It looks like both of their starting corners are going to be out. Buster Screen is out with, uh, is still in concussion protocol, and the other one is injured. I think he's just straight out. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see if the Bills start to open it up a little bit more in the pass game because um, their two starting corners are injured. So go ahead and move on to our predictions in this game. I like Buffalo to go ahead and win on the road. We'll say pride time victory. Uh, final score, I'll say Buffalo 24, the Jets 10. I, I think it's going to be closer. I think the Bills, it's going to be 2017 Buffalo with Hauschka making a late-minute field goal as the last um, sort of a last-minute field goal to win the game. I could see that as well. We'll find out. 
Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the BuffaloDown.com podcast. Uh, go ahead and please read our work here at BuffaloDown.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us both on Twitter. Follow Alex at St. Alex Jones. You can follow me at Bills Bruiser. Again, this has been the BuffaloDown.com podcast. Go Bills. This has been the BuffaloDown.com podcast, part of the Fan Sided Sports Network. In our street media production.